0: Hey friends, Sean here again, episode number two of this brand new podcast we are creating because why not, right? Podcasts are fun, this is gonna be great. We made it to episode two already, just like that. (laughs) So today we're gonna talk about a lot of awesome stuff. Really I wanna focus on kind of some of the mistakes that I see happen very frequently within the Keto for Women community. So that's going to be a huge piece of today. But first, you know, I hope that last episode really gave you an idea of where we want this podcast to go, what we're trying to do here, a little bit more about me and my background and my history. I think that's really important. I know I spent a lot of time talking about it, but it's because I want you to see that not only am I a nutritionist, but I also have my own experiences that make me have even more expertise and knowledge and just this huge passion to help you. But not only that, I really want to spend a little bit of time just having you guys get to know me as a person. Like I am a real person. I do fun things. I do weird things. I make mistakes all the time. I have Netflix binges. I'm just like you, right? I'm just like doing what everyone else does. And I want you to get to know that side of me because I think that also shows that, you know, I'm real, but also I'm staying in this keto lifestyle and enjoying it and enjoying the benefits of it, but not totally changing my life because of it, not living in this like keto bubble where I can't hang out with my friends, I can't uh, socialize or have a treat occasionally if I want it, you know, there's just so much... That can make this a lifestyle that I need to share with you guys and I want to share with you guys. So, before we get into today's episode and what we're actually going to talk about, let's just chat a little bit, shall we? Let's just get to know each other. So, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on with me. And this is actually a really good segue into kind of talking about keto as a lifestyle because I just got done having lunch and i had some carbs and it was totally fine it was actually delicious so what i had for lunch just got done eating i had this gigantic salad and when i'm talking gigantic like i had to use a medium sized mixing bowl because it was so huge so the reason why i don't normally i always eat salads but i don't normally eat that big of a salad but i joined a csa And which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. And so what happens is I have this farm down the street, really big, nice, beautiful, totally organic farm, and they basically provide me vegetables from their garden, uh, which I guess is this a gigantic garden because they do this for a lot of people in the community. I think they have hundreds of members. But they provide me veggies every week, and I support their farm. Last week was our first week of picking up our actual vegetables for the week, and the lowest share was for two to three people, and I'm one person, and I just didn't think that I would have any problem getting through these vegetables because I eat so many veggies. But it's proving to be a little more difficult than I thought. So now I have to finish these vegetables because today is our second pickup. So, in a couple hours, I'm gonna get a whole new stock of vegetables, and I still have all of these in my fridge that I have to eat. So, I had this gigantic salad trying to get rid of the salad mix that they gave me last week, and it's delicious, but it was big. But, anyways, I also had some, uh, I whipped up some salmon salad with some canned salmon and mayo and mustard. And then topped that with some olive oil and uh, some salt and pepper, and it was delicious. But then on the side, I also had some plantains. So I whipped up some plantains, and I felt really good. I know I'm still in ketosis. I'm able to have these plantains, and it's not going to affect me really in any capacity. I've really worked to find my own carb tolerance. And that's something that we'll chat about as we move forward. But that's really what can make it a lifestyle for me is because I know my carb tolerance. And I think that's something that you need to find out for yourself as well, because it may be that you can eat more carbohydrates, not that we need them, but just because, I mean, it's part of life, right? Carbs kind of creep in sometimes if we're at a party or out to eat or just something that sounds good. It's going to happen. So, if you can find that carb tolerance, then you know it's not really a big deal. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I could do this forever. For me, I found that I tolerate a pretty decent amount of carbohydrates. Now, I think a big reason as to why that is is because of the workouts that I do. Every person's carb tolerance is going to be different. Uh, If you are still in healing mode, if you still have blood sugar issues, or PCOS, or adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, if you're still working on healing some of that stuff, then your carb tolerance may not be all that high, and that's fine. It doesn't mean it's there forever. It just means you're healing, and in order to do that, your body is going to need more of the fats for a while until you heal. There's that part that really does determine your carb tolerance, but there's an also another aspect of carbohydrate tolerance that I really think has to do with your workouts. So for me, I am a big anaerobic type exerciser. And so if you want a really easy way to determine what kind of exercise you do, if you do any sort of activity for under two minutes, then it's considered anaerobic. So that would be something like lifting heavy, sprinting, jumping, kettlebell swings, those kind of things where you do a set quickly, you get it done, you have this kind of almost maximal exertion and then you're done. Whereas aerobic would be anything over two minutes. So anything that would be more like running, swimming, hiking, biking, walking, those kind of things, those are aerobic. Now the difference is in an aerobic state, you really are burning through fat as that energy source. In an anaerobic state, you require glucose in the form of glycogen in your muscle to kind of help along that process. Now, your liver will help you supply that glycogen. So it's not like you absolutely need carbohydrates to get through a workout. I mean, there's many people that lift heavy and are ketogenic and they're doing great. And I felt the same way. I really feel like my workouts are awesome in ketosis, but I also know that that's giving me a little bit more leeway when it comes to carbs because I'm burning through that glucose that is being created immediately you know, pretty immediately before or after a workout, I'm just really burning through that. And so that really helps, I think, with my carb tolerance level and being able to push that a little higher. Now, does this mean that you need to go start deadlifting 200 pounds? No, definitely not. I mean, I'm always in that boat where you should do the exercise that you like. If you like to road bike, then go road bike and you're going to be great without carbs. You're going to Feel wonderful in ketosis, actually. I also am really in the boat of people waiting to work out at that high of intensity until they feel good. If you are working on your adrenals, if you're working on your thyroid, if you're working on your hormones, anything to where you're not feeling ready to exert yourself to that degree, please don't. Please don't you're in healing mode, there's plenty of time to get to that point where you can start exerting yourself to that degree and then maybe your carb tolerance will will change. But nothing we need to worry about right now. If you are feeling good, then go for it. Um, I also think that it's really easy as something that you can do kind of quickly and without a ton of exertion. You can just do some like jump rope in your house, like jump rope for a minute and then rest for a minute and then jump rope for a minute and rest for a minute. That's something that you could do that would potentially get you into that anaerobic state. You can do some squat jumps, um, jumping jacks, something like that, just really quick bursts to some degree of intensity and that would potentially help, you know, if you really feel like you need some carb tolerance changes. So anyways, That was a really long way for me to tell you that I had carbs for lunch and I'm fine. But important to note that I'm not zero carb by any means. I mean, there's definitely days where my, actually I'd say most days my carbohydrates come from vegetables in the form of leafy greens or cucumber or zucchini, something like that. But there are also times when I have carbohydrates and a lot of times it is around my workouts because that's when my body is like, feeling it like I feel I personally can tell when my body wants carbs and really it kind of shows up in my workouts if I'm feeling a little depleted or shaky or something like that then I know maybe carbohydrates are in order to fuel me for my next workout that's I guess my story for the day of keto for living we'll call it the keto lifestyle Let's move on to what we're going to chat about today. I want to get into some keto mistakes that I see women make all of the time. And so important that we're doing it in episode number two because the sooner you can get these mistakes out of your life, the quicker you're going to feel really good in ketosis. So let's get started. There are two kind of categories I want to separate these into. One is going to be more so talking about the stress we put on our bodies and our brains, really, that keep us from ketosis or health in general. And then there's going to be the other side that's more so the actual, we'll call it, you know, mechanics of ketosis. So there's two different ideas here with separate information. Let's start with our stress level. So first of all, I mean really that in itself is a mistake because not only do you have to work slowly on getting into ketosis, so remember like I said in episode one, we wanna take it slower over the course of three to four weeks to make that transition into ketosis instead of over the course of a day or even one week, honestly just to help with the stress on our bodies. But we also have to think about other stressors in our life. So that in itself is a huge mistake because not only can having a dysregulated cortisol where you're just kind of calling on cortisol too much keep you out of ketosis, but you're just not going to totally heal when your stress level isn't taken care of. So we need to really start thinking about other stressors in our lives, and take care of those too. So keto isn't going to do all of it for you. We also need to really work on our stress. That's the first kind of piece to it, but then let's kind of talk about what could be thought of as stress specifically when we are looking at the keto diet. So the first thing is thinking about keto as a diet. And I mentioned this in episode number one that we really need to start thinking of it as more of a lifestyle and more of something that we can make work into our everyday life and and not this super strict, really stressful, really hard to figure out diet. And I know it's can be stressful. I know it is hard to figure out. That's why I created the Fat-Burning Female Project because I don't want you to stress about it. I don't want it to be hard to figure out the macros and what you should be eating and how often and are you eating enough food? Are you eating too much food? Are you eating enough fat? Are you eating too much fat? I mean, the list goes on, right? And that can really cause a stress response. So you overthinking this way of eating could potentially keep you out of ketosis and or put you in ketosis but not give you the healing that you're looking for. You know, not really feeling like the benefits are coming as quickly as you'd like them to. That is huge. We'll talk about ways to make it not seem like a diet as we progress in this podcast. There'll be just little snippets here and there, I think, and even just with the guests coming on. That's going to be a major topic of discussion is how to make this a lifestyle and not a diet because, as I mentioned, we've all... I think a lot of us have all been quote-unquote dieting for as long as we can remember. It's just, it's affecting us as to where we always think of food as a diet instead of just thinking of food as food, as nourishment with a healing purpose and a pleasure too because it's fun to eat. Food tastes good. It's a very social environmental thing. It's okay for us to want to eat, right? Right. So I just really think that constantly thinking about yourself being on a diet is really wreaking havoc more than you even know on your body and your stress level and your health. So that's a huge one. Another thing that really stresses out our body is what I like to call low-carb purgatory and it's a real thing. And there's a lot of women using that term now because it's real and we want to stay away from it. That's where I really got into in episode one talking about how keto is not a low-carb diet. It involves lowering your carbs quite a bit, but it's also a high-fat diet. And it's also a diet where we are switching our metabolic process to produce ketones. Just being in a low-carb diet is going to really stress out your body. Because like I said, you are lowering your carbohydrates to this really low level, but not getting into ketosis. And that causes a freak out because suddenly you don't have enough glucose to get through the day. So you're going to feel hungry. Your body's going to be screaming at you. You're going to feel tired and weak brain foggy, because you're not producing ketones that are this alternate fuel source. So you've lowered your glucose, it's gone, it's out of there, but you haven't produced ketones yet, and that's called low-carb purgatory, and that will cause serious damage to your body. It can really wreak havoc on your health, your hormones, adrenals, all those things we're talking about quite a bit here, because you haven't gotten into ketosis, That's where I see a lot of women sitting right now. They have decreased their carbs. They've increased their fat. They've moderated their protein, but they're not in ketosis. They may or may not know. A lot of women think they're in ketosis because, and I get emails probably daily that say, I've been eating a ketogenic diet and I feel terrible. Okay, so I need proof That you know you're in ketosis. Are you testing? Are you testing for ketones? Because if that's the case, then I can help you. If you're not testing for ketones, I really can't help you because I don't know if you're in ketosis. So I'm going to assume you're in low-carb purgatory, and then my answer is you need to get into ketosis. And that brings up a point here that I guess could be another mistake is not testing I know it's expensive. I know it could be something where you start feeling like you're going to um, get become obsessive about it. I get it. I have the same exact personality. So I get that, but you just it just takes so much of the guessing game out of it for you and your body because you're getting your own personal information on if it's working or if it's not. I mean, what better way? And so if you use it for that kind of purpose, where all you're trying to do is gain information on your body and not seeing it as something that you need to keto harder or test three times a day or anything like that, then there's a lot of information you can gain from testing and I highly recommend it. Now, it doesn't need to be something that you're doing for life either. I mean, I don't test for ketones anymore. But I have in the past. I did when I was starting ketosis because I wanted to learn about my body. That's how I found my carb tolerance. So that's how I really gained freedom. I actually gained food freedom from testing for ketones, as crazy as that sounds. Okay, so that's another mistake. Not testing for ketones and just assuming you are in ketosis because A lot of times you're not, and so that causes you to be in low-carb purgatory, which was another mistake we talked about, and they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, We'll call this even one more mistake, not testing in the right capacity, I really highly recommend the Blood Ketone Meter. It's the Precision Extra Blood Ketone Meter with blood ketone testing strips. I will link to both in the show notes. You can also use a Ketonic's breath meter. Again, it's, it's pretty pricey, but you're not constantly having to buy strips. You just kind of have it and it's always there for you. So it's kind of something that's more of an initial investment, than, but then probably plays out over the long term. That's an option. I do not recommend the urine testing strips. Testing via urine is often inaccurate because what happens is eventually you're no longer gonna be peeing out ketones because your body's gonna be using them. So you may get a false negative when you're actually really in ketosis and doing really well and your body's utilizing those ketones. So not worth it to get this false reading, right? it would rather you spend the money and do it correctly and you don't have to test even every day at all. Just kind of test periodically and until you get into ketosis. And then you can more so test for carb tolerance. So one mistake really turned into like three mistakes, but those are all really super important. We'll tie it in even further to go on with another mistake, mistake number four or five I think we're at now, which is giving up. So when you are in low-carb purgatory, not totally sure if you're in ketosis, but not testing like I said, you're going to feel terrible. You're not going to feel good. You're not going to have any energy. You're kind of going to be going through this like keto flu that doesn't end. And that is where a lot of women give up. And rightfully so. You know, if you're feeling that bad, it's affecting your life to that point, I'm sure, then you probably should just eat more carbs and start feeling better. You know, it's not... I really don't promote super low-carb diets at all because I either want you to be in ketosis, which is a low-carb diet with high fat producing ketones, or I want you to be eating carbs so that you have glucose for fuel because otherwise you're just not fueling your body and you're not going to feel good. Those are the options. So if you're not doing ketosis, don't be in low-carb purgatory. If that's the case where you feel like that's where you are, I think a lot of women quit too soon without just adding more fat. It's really as simple as that. I know it sounds crazy because you're probably already eating a lot of fat, but just eat more. Eat more, sleep really well, eliminate your stress, maybe calm down on your workouts, and it's going to happen. So... I think giving up is a huge reason why there is a lot of negative talk potentially in the keto world because they weren't actually in ketosis and they stopped too soon before getting in ketosis. They were just in low-carb purgatory and things started getting really wonky. We got to get away from that. Give it a little more effort. Really increase your fats. Do the Fat-Burning Female project because that will take the guesswork out of it. You'll make sure you're getting into ketosis, and it's all good. Another issue that can cause some unnecessary stress on the body, which would then be considered a mistake for women, is fasting too soon. Now, I am all about fasting. I think it's an excellent way to heal your body. I think there are some really amazing health benefits But I think that trying to fast when you're not in ketosis can really be causing more harm than good, potentially, because you are then causing another stress response where you're not providing fuel, but your body doesn't have ketones to know that there is alternate fuel available, and so then there's a freak out right so i really prefer for women to get into ketosis first and then see if fasting comes naturally if you wake up and you're not hungry then you could potentially go another hour or two and you'd be getting into more of a 14 or 15 or 16 hour fast if you're you know from the night before that would be a great option But it needs to be more of an intuitive thing. If you wake up and you're hungry, but you're like, oh, I'm just still not going to eat for another four hours. Think about what that's doing to your body and think about that stress response that's happening because of that. So it should always be a really intuitive, very natural thing to fast. Okay, let's talk more about the mechanics of ketosis and what could be going wrong with that. I think a lot of times when women are starting out with a ketogenic diet, they're starting out with a fat fear that still exists somewhere in the back of their heads, and that makes it really, really tough. This is another big one that I see quite commonly in women I work with. So you think you're adding in a lot of fat, but you know if we're looking back at the... Fat free age that we grew up in, or all of these people telling us that fat is bad, and quite honestly, there's still dietitians out there saying that, and doctors even quite a few. So, we still have this society where fat isn't really an accepted nutrient. And if we're coming from that to then thinking, okay, I'm just going to eat more fat and I'm going to get into ketosis, and it's great you're still not eating enough fat. At that point, you're eating probably a more moderate fat diet than a very high fat diet. Adding a scoop or two of mayo to a meal is probably not going to be enough to actually get you into ketosis. You're going to need to significantly increase your fat intake, which means getting rid of your fat fear. How to do that? I think that's really an actually an interesting question because it kind of depends on why you have this fear of fat. Are you scared of fat because of heart disease or are you scared of fat because of you don't want to get fat? How it got to be that fat in the diet causes fat on your body, I will never understand I will just never get it. They're not the same thing. Unfortunately, they have the same word, but they're not the same thing at all. We know now from much research and really just people just doing it, that a high fat diet very often causes weight loss. So how does that make sense, right? If we're eating all this fat and we have so many people losing weight and getting to a very natural, comfortable weight for themselves then that doesn't really correlate, right? I think where that came from is actually because, you know, when it was a calories in versus calories out situation, which is also maybe something we should probably talk about in a a mistake. When that was kind of our calories in versus calories out was kind of our way to lose weight, then it would make sense that if you're eating a nutrient that has nine calories per gram, versus one that has four calories per gram. So fat has nine calories per gram and protein and carbohydrates have four calories per gram. So then it makes sense that the higher calorie item is going to make you fat, right? Because calories in versus calories out. But now we know that that's, it just isn't, it's just not true. It's just 100% not true. And now that we know that, we can kind of debunk the fat fear as well, right? Now we know that it's really not fat that's to blame for weight gain. It's the carbs, it's the sugar, it's the insulin response that happens because of eating carbohydrates in excess and it's the hormonal imbalances that take place partially because of dysregulated blood sugar. So there's that to blame too. It's not the fat. The fat's doing only good things for us Now, remember, we're talking healthy fats. We're not talking canola oil, vegetable oil, grapeseed oil, those just weird, processed, incredibly inflammatory oils. We're not talking about that. And that may be another reason why there is still the idea that fat causes fat on your body. Because if you're eating crappy oils then yeah, you're definitely going to have some weight gain because of the inflammation that's happening from those oils. So that could be too if you're talking about being concerned about your weight. So stay with those healthy oils and then we're definitely getting all good benefits from eating as much of them as we possibly can. Now, if you're worried about heart disease, clogged arteries, those kinds of things that we have been told happen when we have a high-fat diet, that's also quite easily debunked. Cholesterol's gotten a bad rap because, well, one of its roles in our body is to kind of be almost like a Band-Aid when there is an adhesion, we'll say, in our arteries. So it acts as a Band-Aid. It goes to that site of damage and and heals it and protects it. That's why it has come up that clogged arteries are because of cholesterol. It's actually true. But we need to look at why those arteries were damaged in the first place. Those arteries get damaged by glycation, which is essentially sugar. I'm going to dumb this down because it really helps in explanation even for myself. You can kind of think of, let's say, sugar scraping on your arteries and the more scraping that happens, the more damage they get it. You know, it's like a brillo pad on your arteries. Sugar is the brillo pad. So of course, as we continue eating sugar in excess, that brillo pad is going to cause damage. and that's when the cholesterol comes in to kind of repair that and help it out. So it's not the cholesterol's fault, it's the sugar. And once we know that and can think about that, then you can see how there are people treating heart disease with a ketogenic diet. Crazy, right? I think it just takes really conceptualizing that to a degree, like finally really letting that soak in before we can really understand the power of the ketogenic diet, but also that we just don't have anything to fear. We have nothing to fear when it comes to keto, and we have nothing to fear when it comes to dietary fat, right? That fat fear just really has to dissipate in order for you to truly do keto right. I'm sorry to tell you, it just is. And I mean... You really have to get rid of it because the amount of fat you're going to be eating is really high. That's going to be the best and easiest way for you to get into a ketogenic state. Okay? So let's just get rid of that. But that's a big one. That's a huge mistake is just we're not totally over that fat fear from years ago. And like I said in episode one, I didn't eat any fat for years, years and years and years. Now, thank goodness, I'm making up for it and I'm giving my body all the nutrients that it needs from the fat and feeling really amazing doing it. So obviously, there's something to that. So moving on again to the mechanics. So there's the possibility that if you're not getting into ketosis, you're eating too much protein and that's another really big thing that I see all the time I think it comes from, if you are ever someone that has been in the kind of fitness space where you were trying to build muscle or uh, get lean or whatever, you were told by who knows who, I guess probably personal trainers that know nothing about nutrition, no offense, I was a personal trainer and I knew nothing about nutrition, I just spewed information that I got from like Oxygen magazine (laughs) to my clients. It was totally wrong. So I apologize to all my past clients for that. Uh, But anyway, we've been told in that world, and maybe it's just been something that you've heard coming about town, that we need lots of protein. So that's another one that's really hard to reconceptualize that maybe we don't need as much as we thought. Yeah, protein is really important. We need amino acids for a lot of functions in our body, from building and repairing muscle to detoxification. It's incredibly important that we get protein in our diet, but we don't need as much as we think we need. There is a a limit to where you're getting everything that you need, and then the extra just becomes glucose. And that's where we really want to find that sweet spot. Again, it's another thing that's different for everybody. Some people may not do well with all that much protein, or it might be a a situation where too much kicks them out of ketosis. Some people might be able to have a higher amount. It probably does have to do a little bit with the amount of lean muscle you have on your body, perhaps. I don't know. That's just a guess. I do not know that. It's not something I've studied. I'm just putting it out there, but you have to find your protein tolerance as well. And so if you know for sure that you're eating tons and tons of fat and very little carbohydrate and you're still not in ketosis, it's time to look at the protein because we may need to do something with that. Just lower it a tad, see what happens. You'll probably be feeling good soon. There's also the option of not eating enough carbohydrates, which sounds crazy, I know, and I don't think this is necessarily a mistake that someone would make to get into ketosis. I'm more so now talking to the people that are already in keto, maybe have been for a while, and maybe you're not feeling as good as you once did. Maybe you are still eating the same amount of fats, still eating the same amount of protein, still eating the same amount of carbs, and things are just not going as well. You're in ketosis, maybe probably a deep state of ketosis, and you want to feel a little better. Now's the time where you could possibly add some carbohydrates. Now, again, like I mentioned in my own scenario, I'm, I'm not going out and eating an entire loaf of bread. No, no bread at all in my world. It's just not worth it. I can't do gluten and gluten free bread's not that great. But maybe you could have uh, a sweet potato at dinner every once in a while, maybe a couple times a week, or some plantains like I did, or some fruit, some berries on your coconut cream, something like that. There is room for many people to have carbs on keto. And, you know, like I said, it's not necessary. Carbs are the one macronutrient that is not necessary to our bodies. We don't need it, but sometimes we just feel better with a little bit of carbohydrate. It might be a totally mental thing. Maybe it's completely mental to where you just need carbs in your life to feel human, to feel normal, to feel like you could make this a lifestyle. Maybe it would decrease your stress to know that you could have some carbs, it's probably a little bit physiological too. Maybe a little glucose hit every once in a while would make you feel really good, would give you a little bit more energy, would get you through that workout a little better, uh, or make you just feel good. And when we're in ketosis, you know, we get into keto to heal, a lot of healing is gonna take place pretty quickly. And what we really want, the whole goal is not to, well, I guess one of the many goals is to heal our blood sugar. When that happens, what will probably also happen is that carbohydrates that maybe gave you a really large blood sugar spike, say for instance, every time you had a sweet potato, you would get this huge blood sugar spike, which you probably didn't even notice to be honest, but now when you have a sweet potato, you may barely get a blip on the radar. It just really can heal and change what your body reacts to as far as a blood sugar response. And that's what we really want. I mean, we want to find those carbohydrates that when we eat them doesn't cause this massive blood sugar response and insulin response because that's what's really going to continue our healing process, taking out those huge blood sugar spikes and dips, which I'm going to do a whole podcast episode about that coming up real soon. So be on the lookout for that because I think it's important that we understand what our blood sugar looks like and does on a regular basis. But if you're keto and you're eating keto 90% of the time and you have a sweet potato for dinner a couple times a week, you're still having such amazing blood sugar response that having a little blip of blood sugar on your radar isn't going to do any damage. And it would provide you, again, maybe a little glucose hit that you feel like would work really well for you. Or maybe just feeling like a normal person and having carbs because sometimes carbs just are there and they just sound good, right? That could be another thing. And it's like I said, it's not a mistake of getting into ketosis, but if you're not feeling great once in ketosis, give that a try. Give yourself a little bit of carbohydrates. See how you feel. It would also be really cool to test your blood sugar when you are – eating those carbs. So an hour and two hours after that meal that has carbohydrates and see what it does. See if you have less of a blood sugar response or have a very minimal blood sugar response, because then you know, and it also really is an indicator that, you know, then you know that you tolerate those carbohydrates, but you also know you're still in ketosis if it's a pretty small, small response. And that's another way to look at your carb tolerance um, besides just testing for ketones. Okay, so this kind of is one that goes f- for both. It's a stressful scenario. It's also a mechanical issue within keto, and that is being too restricted. I know there are a lot of women trying the keto diet now that have come from paths of restricted eating, maybe disordered eating, maybe just being on other healing diets like AIP or GAPS or SCD or something like that where you were trying to get well through those diets. And those, while amazingly healing for some people, are also amazingly strict. I was on AIP for nine months and then again for probably about three months. So probably total a year in my entire life. And it was really stressful because it was really restrictive. I stopped going out with my friends. I would just sit at home on the couch because I couldn't eat anything that was out. And I'm, I find myself to be a really good at finding things on menus and just making it work. I have found both keto and paleo to be incredibly easy to do that with. But with AIP, I just had problems. I mean, it was really hard to stay away from black pepper, That is in a lot of things when you're out and about at a restaurant. So I understand that mentality of those kind of diets. Also, as you heard in my past, I've just always been restricted. I've always been on a diet. And I could see how that tendency would go into keto as well. But it doesn't have to. Not only does that restriction then tend mechanically to mean perhaps You're eating the same things or you get into a pattern where you start having not enough food, not enough fat, too much protein, that kind of thing, where you just can't quite let go of that restriction enough to really get into a ketogenic type diet. But it can also really stress you out, right? This kind of goes along with that whole thing of thinking about it as a diet. If you're restricted to where you feel like I'm just going to spoon coconut oil into my mouth because I don't know what else to eat, then that's probably too restrictive. You're probably overthinking it a little too much and you're not really grasping how freeing and how much variety and amazing food is actually within the keto framework and, you know, maybe if you were on this restricted eating pattern, you still are. Maybe if you were AIP, you're trying to do AIP and paleo and keto and SED, you know, you're trying to, to layer them. Maybe you don't need to do that because this is another healing diet in itself. It doesn't necessarily need to be layered. Or maybe you're still one of those people who feels this pull to eat a certain amount of calories. You know, maybe you're still in this 1,200-calorie-a-day eating plan or even 1,500 calories or even 1,800 calories. Maybe you're still thinking you have to fit into this framework calorie-wise. And that could really cause some restrictive tendencies within keto. I mean, it's just going to make you really feel like there's a window of opportunity. And having a spoon of coconut oil for your fat is going to make it easier to fit into those calories than having some mayo or dousing your salad with all kinds of dressing that you created, but you can't actually know the amount of calories in that. So I think there's just a lot of room to remove all the thoughts. Remove all the thoughts and just do keto. Just eat a lot of fat. Just moderate your protein and just watch those carbohydrates Within that, there's a lot of opportunity. If you do well with dairy, eat some dairy. If you do well with coffee, have coffee. Put a lot of fat in it. It's great. Uh, If you know that there are foods that you don't do well with, okay, stay away from those. But then maybe now try experimenting with some foods that you haven't tried in a while. There's just so much freedom, so much out there in the keto diet. Really, the only thing that's remotely a restriction, quote unquote, is the macronutrient. The macronutrient changes. That's really all there is. You don't need to count calories. You don't even need to count grams. All you need to do is make sure you have that ketogenic macronutrient ratio, which I provide in my project because then you just really have nothing to worry about. And you can really find so much going on in there. It's so great. So keep that in mind. I think getting rid of the restricted tendencies is going to really decrease your stress level. It's going to make it much easier to get into ketosis and stay there and make it a lifestyle. It's just not no need to be strict about it. All right. One more mistake. Although I'm sure there's a lot more that I'm probably not thinking about right now. But they'll come to me and we'll probably have a Keto for Women Mistakes episode again in the near future. But right now, here's, a, here's another big one. Not listening to your body. This culminates kind of everything we've talked about because if you're really listening to your body, it's going to tell you uh, what it, you should eat, how often, how much, what sounds good. And I'm not talking cravings. Like I mentioned, cravings are different than an intuitive listening to your body. Because my cravings pretty much all the time are telling me that I want a cupcake. But do I really want a cupcake? No, because intuitively, I know when I eat a cupcake, I don't feel good. I do not feel good. And every single time I'm like, "Mm, that's not really worth it. Now, I do have a keto cupcake recipe that I love, super delicious, and I feel really good after eating those. That's a different story. I'm talking, even if I were to have like a gluten-free cupcake, so technically the gluten is gone, the one thing that I know I can't have, even if I have that, I feel so terrible and quite honestly, it's never as good as I expect it to be because it's always so sweet. I just don't do well with that much sweetness. That totally got off on another tangent where now we're talking about cupcakes. But what I'm trying to say is that there is this knowledge that you are being given every single time you are eating as to what your body would do really well with. So we want to take that information to be I know that this food is going to make me feel really good and I'm going to really enjoy it versus I know I should be eating this food because it's on my meal plan or I need to get into ketosis or some other sort of story you're telling yourself. But if we know that, okay, keto is going to make us feel really good. It's going to promote the healing that you desperately want in your body What foods are going to get me there that I will also enjoy? That really is where you can listen to your body and be like, okay, I feel like an avocado with some salt and olive oil for a snack. Sounds good. My body would really like that. And it's continuing on with my pattern of wanting to heal myself. So I hope that makes sense. That's where we can get into kind of an intuitive eating type pattern while being in ketosis. Because, yeah, I mean, you could really want a cupcake. And you know what, if you really, really do, then have it and you'll move on and probably uh, maybe learn from that experience that it didn't feel as good as you thought it was going to feel or taste as good as you thought it was going to taste. We can get that information and really use that. But maybe you felt great afterwards and then cool, that's awesome. But there just really is a lot of knowledge that can be had when we understand that we have that power for ourselves to determine what we should be eating. And when we are stuck in this pattern of just not listening to our bodies, not understanding what it needs, eating too little, not eating enough fat, even though we intuitively know we should probably be eating more because of the healing potential of a healthy, high-fat diet. When we just get into this pattern where we stop connecting with our bodies, then getting into ketosis and staying there and making it a lifestyle is going to be really tough because then you're becoming robotic with your foods and with your meals and plates and not thinking enough about what sounds good, what you want, what your body needs, what's going to be most health-promoting. Answer those questions. That will lead you to being in this amazingly easy keto state, I promise. Okay, there were a lot of mini tangents in there, so I apologize for that. There's also probably a lot in there that you want me to expand on. Totally cool and totally understand that. If so, let me know. Send me an email, Minor at gmail.com. Let me know what topics you want me to expand on and, and make more, maybe a little more sense about. Maybe give you a little bit more of a dumbed down analogy. I think that really helps a lot for me as well. Let me know. I'm happy to do that. And we can revisit these topics as we see fit. What else do I need to talk about? So again, remember, if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes, I'm all ears. If there's someone that you would like to hear from, someone you'd like me to interview, if there's a topic you'd like me to chat more about, if you have questions, I feel like as we progress in this podcast, a lot of our episodes are gonna be listener question-based because I know there's a lot of questions. I mean, I see my inbox in my email every single day to know there's a lot of questions when it comes to transitioning to keto and to staying in ketosis. I know there's a lot of that out there and I'm happy to answer those questions and to really give you some insight. Feel free to let me know. Again, send me that email. Uh, Make sure to let me know what you think of the podcast over on iTunes. Leave me a review. Happy to entertain all suggestions. But if you love it, I'd love to hear that you love it. It really does help, especially now that I'm just sitting here talking to myself. It really does help to know that it's not falling on deaf ears and there really is some response. So let me know. I'd love to hear that. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that these episodes pop up automatically for you. And yeah, other than that, we'll see you guys in episode number three. We'll get even deeper into our hormones and why we need keto for our hormones, which is always a fun conversation, at least in my opinion. I think it's a great topic. All right, bye everybody. Hey lady, do you wanna make sure that you are doing the ketogenic diet the right way for you? Do you wanna make sure you're getting all of those amazing benefits that come with producing ketones and not putting any extra stress on your body? then head to my website and check out the Fat-Burning Female Project. We have a new class starting soon, and I'd love to have you be a part of it. Head to bit.ly fatburningfemale. That's B-I-T dot L-Y fatburningfemale. And make sure to sign up to get a notification of when the next class will be. Can't wait to see you there.